Welcome to Y2B Fit Talks, where we dive deep into the world of fitness, health, and wellness. Join us as we have heart-to-heart conversations with members of our vibrant boutique fitness studio right here in the heart of Philadelphia. Discover how our unique approach helps our clients build consistency and discipline for long-lasting health and well-being. Welcome to another podcast. This is Y2B Fit Talks with Crystal, Greg, and our guest today is Dr. Aiden. Hello. All right. So kind of, we we always go first in the origin story since this is your first podcast with us. Um, You know, kind of like who you are and, you know, kind of where did you come from, you know, in that respect. And don't say from New Jersey. (laughs) So I come from New Jersey. (laughs) In the backwoods of South Jersey. And I'm a a chiropractor and acupuncturist. I currently work with the U.S. squash national team. And my origin story was that I have always been interested in health and wellness. Like you can ask my mom, I was always reading the nutrition facts on the cereal and I was like comparing the two and figuring out which one would be better for me. So there was this like kind of obsession with health and you know what I was putting in my body from a young age. And then from there, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. My mom's a nurse. So I always wanted to go into the medical field because she would take these awesome stories coming from like the neurointensive care unit and essentially being like, oh, this is a like really cool case that I had. And I was like, that's so fascinating. So that was the beginning, right? I wanted to go into health. I originally was going to school for nursing. I was, uh, a lot of people don't know this. I was in Navy ROTC and I was also in the nursing program. Both of them, I was kind of like, I don't know if this is for me, you know, mm-hmm. obviously with the long hair, went a little <laughs> counterculture, but I found that nursing was a little bit too, I felt like I didn't have enough say in things. I felt like I was going to essentially be a cog in the machine and that I really couldn't affect people the way that I really wanted to. So in that respect, I switched my major to exercise science, ended up going to chiropractic school, shadowed a chiropractor that summer, found that I loved the ability to influence, influence may be a bad word, but the ability to, I guess, have that relationship with a patient that goes deeper than just 10 minutes with with a client or something like that. You know, it's like, how can you reach somebody and actually make lifetime change, if that makes sense? Mm. And you guys were doing very similar things, right? Yeah. So that was the first moment where I was like, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And when going to chiropractic school, I you know took this kind of side road and went to see an acupuncturist. I knew that there was an acupuncture program at the school. So I was like, ah, oh, why not? I'm already in school. Let's just add another master's degree, right? And then while I was in school, like they convinced me to do the herbal medicine program. Oh, it's another master's degree, but I tack that on. So five years later, I come out and I'm going into the world. And I recognized that I was really good with biomechanics. While I was in school, I shadowed and trained under Dan Dominguez. He's the Buffalo Bills acupuncturist, still is. And he taught me a lot of the neurofunctional acupuncture that I use today. Mm-hmm. And so long story short, I ended up becoming a, basically like a sports doctor, just really trying to change people's biomechanics, the deeper you know, muscular imbalances that are leading to either chronic pain, chronic injuries, you're trapped on the hamster wheel of injuries and things like that. The, the deeper understanding of like, why does this happen to me? Like, why is this consistently happening to me? How can I essentially get off of that hamster wheel? And that's something that I really love to bring to, you know, an initial assessment is this deeper understanding, this where are we going with things, like the why behind things are, that are happening that a lot of people aren't getting. So mm. I hope that answers the question a little bit. Very thoroughly. Okay. Very thoroughly. So very long story. Funny. No, no, that's, this is awesome. This is why we have long form content. Yeah. So we can hear the stories. When you're trying to enact these change on people, right? And just in, in what you just said, is that really challenging when you start to kind of expand somebody's mind in this this kind of like, okay, this is happening because of this. And this is, um, and people are like, wait, doc, just fix me, right? <laughs> so is it are sports people more your clients are you know do you have lots of just weekend warriors what does that kind of look like i think the easiest answer to that question is at what point do they find me in their life cycle of movement Mm -hmm. so yes i see where you're going with this question athletes definitely are people that resonate more with what i'm doing because they almost they almost hold their 
themselves and their physical bodies and their physical standards to to a higher standard. They're trying to accomplish more. Their goals are a little bit more invested. Like they're like, not only do I just want to walk schnauzy down the street for two blocks, it's like, I want to go to the CrossFit Games or I want to run an Olympic marathon, right? It's like those people have freaking goals and they're going for it. And like at some point they need help and they realize the standard of medicine isn't cutting the, the mustard essentially. Right. And so then they find me and they're like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. Like, wow, you actually explained all the things that I need to do and created a roadmap for me um, as best I can. Right. And I do have people that, you know, come to me with the fix me mindset because sometimes people, you know, get referred to me by somebody else and they're like, oh, got to go see Dr. Aiden. Like he does really good work, but they're still stuck in that like magic pill mentality is what I call it, where, you know, you go and get a surgery and everything's fixed. Right. It, it couldn't be further from the truth because what we have to understand is why did that surgery happen in the first place, right? Was it because of some movement faults that led down the road to something or was it I got, you know, tackled and all the ligaments in my knee just blew up? Mm-hmm. Like that's more indicative of needing surgery that's actually fix something, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, at the, at the end of the day, you know, how did you recover from that surgery? How did you essentially start to move differently because of that? Because, you know, not you take six weeks off for movement. How does that change in the body? Right. So I certainly do have people that come to me and say, hey, doc, fix me. And the expectation is that you'll fix me in literally two sessions or one session. And I have a, a, a spot on my intake form where it's like, do you want symptom relief or do you want long term results? Mm. And that is where I can see hey, is this person coming for literally pain relief? I'm like, well, you can take an aspirin for that, right? But I'm actually going to do the work on the long-term stuff so this, this doesn't happen again. That's a that's a really brilliant question because I've sent you a couple clients and yeah. we've collaborated on some clients and it's been, some of the stuff has been very instantaneous for them. But I preface that by like, this is going to be a process yeah. and you have to be looking for those you know, the long-term effects of it. How do you, um, in, in speaking about change, how do you help people change their mindset around that? Mm. I mean, the intake forms the start, that's like the tip of the spear, right? Yeah. And then how does it kind of grow out from that? Because if you have people uh, that are not non-athletes, right? And have the fix, fix, me, fix me magic pill kind of mindset, how does that how do you start that? I love this question, first of all, because it's something that I've been delving into over the last year of being in business. I think that I have a few thoughts on this and I'm just going to go for it. But my first thought is that doctors tend to be a bit more left-brained. We tend to be a bit more rational, statistics-driven, results-oriented, which can be great. Mm-hmm. But I also think, too, that we have to understand how to communicate with people, right? You can call it, you know, just connecting. You can call it understanding. You can call it good good listening. But I think that at the end of the day, something that separates me from the pack is that I sit down in like the first 20 minutes. I just want to hear your story, right? Mm-hmm. And so if your story is something where it's like I need to like, you know, really like get stuff off my chest, it helps me them feel heard. It's different than the standard. And so in that regard, I'm able to actually replay what I heard back to them and then understand where they are from a habit perspective. You know, some of the other things that I think when, when I try to change their mindset based on like symptom relief versus long-term results is like, well, what are you doing for this in the first place? Right. You know, I have to understand where they are in that life cycle. So I'm asking a lot of questions at this point. It's like, what are you doing for this right now? If they're not doing anything for it, then they're kind of more on magic pill mentality spectrum, right? If they're like, oh, I've tried this, I've tried this, I've tried this. I'm not understanding that they're a bit more of a, uh, a self-starter, right? There's somebody that's a little bit more maybe type A. Um, and from there, I'm able to essentially be like, okay, do I need to go more into habit creation or habit pairing, right? Am I Am I shifting how they're doing things? Because maybe they're just doing something like, uh, say somebody's coming in, they're a CrossFit athlete, and they're just like trying to just bash on joints that are just not super happy, and they're moving in a way that's not very sustainable. I already know that they have pretty good habits. They're just doing the wrong things. So I just need to comb that back a little bit, if that makes sense. Mm. 
versus somebody who's like, I don't do anything. I sit all day, right? Hmm. That is a bit more of a tricky client because in my opinion, because it's easier to take habits that are already formed. You can, you know, think about James Clear Atomic Habits, right? Mm -hmm. It's easier to stack habits that are already there rather than create habits that aren't, right? And so I have to understand like, okay, this is going to be the person that I'm going to have to be patient with. I'm going to have to say the same thing many times, right? <laughs> you, know, you probably all have those clients where it's like, hey, like, you know, I know he's told you this and it's probably sound like a broken record, but how you do it with that thing that we were talking about, it's like, oh, I haven't even started. It's like, okay, well, you know, what's the obstacle there? And I think that, you know, something that I notice in the industry kind of like to flip the script a little bit um, is that a lot of practitioners tend to be a little bit more impatient with that. They think that the second that you say something, the patient or the client should essentially pick that up and, and, and absorb it and start to do it. And it's like, well, no, like I recognize myself in that. How many times have I thought that I could do something and tried to start a new habit and I didn't, right? Okay. So I think that there's a little bit of humanity that has to come into like a client-patient or a client-doctor relationship because we have to understand where somebody is. And I think that, and this is a Kevin thing, I was just telling you about my buddy Kevin. Mm -hmm. He always said to me, he was like, because he's a teacher, right? He's like, I'm like, how do you reach people? He's like, you got to know where they're at. You have to meet them right here so you can make it just a little bit further. It's so much easier to cross this gap than to cross that gap, right? Because mm. this is where somebody's going to look up at a mountain and be like, that's too high. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be able to cross that. How the heck would I even start that, right? Versus here is like, oh, you just got one more step. <laughs> and then you're just this the right. entire time. I'm your guide. I'm here. That's, I say that all the time, mm -hmm. right? I'm not here to fix you. I'm here to guide you and you're, you're going to fix yourself because that's so much more empowering, right? Mm. And it's, it's fun, you know, because I mean, you're, you're going to get into some other stuff, but it's fun because I can tell when somebody makes that switch, when I'm like talking to somebody and I can tell when I'm like, I want to see how you move, right? And they and they start to do some things and they start to see where the weaknesses are in the system, where the standards are subpar. And they start to put things together in their own heads where they're like, oh, I see that I can't do that thing that I just demonstrated. And I was like, boom, right? Like, I'm a skinny guy. I'm not huge, right? But like, there's some things that are just foundational movement components that people cannot do. And they're like in my room sweating from like a body weight thing, mm. you know? I was teaching a bird dog today and it was like, couldn't do it, right? So then I treated it, right? I was able to get that posterior oblique sling working again. Mm -hmm. It's like, bam. I'm like, that's what it should feel like. Now just maintain, like learn how to like integrate that into your system. So it's that kind of stuff. That's the stuff that is really beautiful. Cause I see like the light turn on in somebody's eyes. And it's like so much more, I guess the empowerment side of things where they understand why they're doing something. That is a launching point. Do you, I have a question. Yeah. So I know for me, probably for Greg too, um, we have people who come in who have like that big outcome goal, right? Or the magic pill oh, person yeah. and getting them to kind of like take those small steps. Do you have any strategies you use to kind of rein them in when they're like, yeah, that's great, but I really want to be here. Oh, that's great. But when am I going to get here? Okay. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Um, I think honesty and transparency is the best policy. I have a, probably one of my you know, closer, closer patients, uh, clients, he came into me and I was like, this is going to be fun, like fun person to work with. He's like, I want to be a triathlete and also having a thousand pound power lifting total. And I was like, oh, like, cool. All right. We're going to be working together for a while. Right? It's like two different things. Right? Yeah. You got endurance athlete, you know, anaerobic capacity there. And, uh, it's like a Ryan, was it Ryan holiday? Yeah. It's like, it's like basically kind of like a CrossFit person, you know, like in that mentality of like, I want to like lift heavy weights and do it for a long time. Um, you need to have the endurance piece and you have to have like the strength piece. Right. So it's two, and it's, it's two adaptations that have to take over time. So it's like, and plus he's got like really bad knee pain by the way. Right. So it's like, that's why he came to me. Right. And I'm like, okay, well, like, you know, you're going to be having to clean up a lot of things. First, we're going to start with what you love. Right, which is the triathlete part of it. He's already doing it, right? Versus not he's not doing much strength training right now because mm -hmm. he fears a squat, right? So the first thing for him is like, okay, like this is gonna take a little while, like based on what your goals are, 
I can help you get there, but you know, the expectation should not be tomorrow. Okay. Right. So I guess the strategy is, you know, you sit down and have a conversation with people, but then also be like, you know, I hear you, you know, like, it sounds like you want to be here, right? How, and the thing that I like to say is how much better are you now than when you were before you saw me, mm -hmm. right? Because if you can essentially get them to recognize how far they've come, they'll realize that, holy crap, I can get so much further. Right. It just takes time. I mean, like the thing that I like to tell people is that changing movement patterns is not an overnight fix. It's about a six month process to actually go from, okay, I can't do something to, okay, I can do something really well, right? And there's, you know, there's milestones along the way. And I think that it's something I'm exploring right now. I think that having those benchmarks, those milestones for clients mm -hmm. is really important for them to see. And it's something that I'm trying to get better at so that I can ex essentially have that conversation a little yeah. bit more of like, okay, well, I want to squat 600 pounds. I certainly I can't do a bodyweight squat right now. So it's going to look like, okay, learn how to do a bodyweight squat. Right. Learn how to do a goblet squat weighted. Learn how to do a front squat because you need to do that before you can do a back squat. And it's like, okay, start to progress them down the line of movement. And then from there, my thought is, okay, now let's start scaling them. Let's put you under the bar and load it once we feel like your, your system has the ability to load, right? And then let's see how much capacity you have in that. Because you'll start to see when you know, the knees start to cave in because you're you're going back to your old patterns and habits. That's where now you're going to program in some like accessory work to fix that stuff, right? Right. And so you just keep them going down the line, but recognize that it takes time. And, and the thing that I like to do is, okay, well, that's not going to look like me treating you every single week now, right? Like you got to go and put the strength in the work in. So right. like, I'll see you in like three weeks, keep doing the work and we'll program stuff for you and then and go from there, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think that it's just the relationship has to change. And this is what we were talking about with graduation. Like once you hit like a certain benchmark, it can be like, sweet, congratulations, you yeah, passed phase It's like one. a sticker chart. Yeah, I mean, gamification is so important, you know? Like uh, I, I always get called to mind like Napoleon uh, Bonaparte. He always said like, people will fight and die for a piece of colored ribbon. And it's like, I mean, that's literally gamification in yeah. military history. It's like, okay, well, that's true. You know, psychologically, I want to get to the next level, right? Mm -hmm. um, I don't know, just use it. It's how people work. Yeah, it's true. I like that. You're taking elements from, um, what is it, motivational interviewing. Oh, really? And Yeah, and kind of weaving them in. And really, it kind of starts with, correct me if I'm wrong, you know, just that, you know, intentful listening. Mm -hmm. and, reflective and, listening. Reflective listening. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's funny. I mean, I don't. I don't know motivate. I haven't studied motivational interviewing. I know it was. I know it was something that I should have studied when I was in school, right? Well, they talk about oh, this is motivational interviewing. Here's what something else you might need. Okay, they they kept on. They could have um, loaded you with another. You know, I mean, you have a you know graduate degree in in those in in, in behavior change, so to speak. Oh, really? So yeah. oh, I've had two master's degrees. One is in counseling psychology, so it's, I learned a lot about motivational interviewing. That's amazing. And it definitely helps us in the the process of trying to get our clients to kind of really it's empower them and guide them. Mm -hmm. uh, those are the two key things. And um, it's interesting you said those things that are really kind of key to me is that we design a lot of what we do around that. And they're like, oh, what am I doing today? Well, you have all this programming here. And I'm like, well, what, do you, what would you like to work on? Would you like to work on upper? Or would you like to work on lower? Like, what else are you doing this week? And I'm like, oh, wait, I'm riding Peloton tomorrow. So, or I'm riding Peloton today. I said, so do you think we should do upper? And they're like, yeah, we're going to do upper today. Yeah. Right? So it's like, tricky. it's, you know, especially with clients that are doing other things and also coming into, you know, your place of business or our place of business, they, um, by empowering them, they feel like they start to have control over, um, you know, not only their behaviors, but also a little bit of the outcome. Mm -hmm. So their story, you know, for their path. I also think like a lot of what we do is teaching people like mind body awareness. I'm always coming back to that, but yeah. I think like, <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's really what it is, right? It really is. <laughs> so much. And yeah, we're, we come to the field as, you know, kind of yoga practitioners a little, a little bit. I mean, 
we'd like to say we did a lot more yoga than we actually do. I mean, we go away to a lot more than I do. I I, I know. (laughs) Well, when there's so many fun things to do, it's like, it's hard to find the time. Right. But like, if we had to go back to it and we had the time, if we, excuse me, if we made the time, um, to deepen our practice with yoga. And I think it's, uh, for us, or at least myself, it's a, I'm exploring so many different areas, but I think it's going to be the thing that I always come back to that that'll be my foundation and helping having that understanding of what the mind body connection is. Um, what I see in both athletes and magic people, magic pill people and general people is that the level, the level of awareness is extremely low mm-hmm. in what they're doing, how they move. I agree. I'm glad and, that you guys bring that up because it's something that I've noticed in like the life, like the life cycle of, uh, of any client that I work with is by like visit, I'd say five, six, they're coming to me with these realizations of like, oh, I was able to feel this thing, right? And I'm like, yeah, this is amazing, right? Yeah. And I, I have a conversation. I'm like, that is mind-body awareness. That is literally what we're trying to do. And I think that that's what the acupuncture really is doing, right? The electrostim and, you know, firing up different muscles and movement patterns and things like that. It's really to get the body to be aware of that zone that's not working very, very well, Yeah. right? I mean, I was just talking about that guy that I was treating today and it's like, he was able to notice that right away. I'm like, sweet. Now you just zone in on that. Like really understand how to use that because that's the next level that you need to get to. Stability, right? Like, so yeah, that. There's also one thing that I wanted to say, but I lost. It'll come back. Yeah, it'll, it will probably come back. <laughs> Randomly. It was something that you were saying, but like, yeah, mind-body awareness. Yeah, and that's, I mean, we just have different, interestingly enough, we have different tools. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we have cueing. Right. And, you know, the, my clients look at me like, and I say it's all blue in the face is like, how'd that feel? How'd that feel? How'd that feel? How'd that feel? You know, like kind of thing again and again and again until they're like, okay, I have that. I'm, I'm cute enough that I can, or that I can understand. Oh, wait, how did that look pretty good? Or how do you think that looked? So they start to get it and it helps to have an environment that is slow paced rather than fast paced. I'm just about to say that. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons we've built our environment a lot differently. Um, so so that clients can take their time, actually start to develop that connection, and over time um go from practice to habit to skill. Yeah. I like that <laughs> little three phase approach. Yeah. I was gonna say that it's I think it's what separates um anybody from doing, you know, just group training or very high energy paced stuff in our industry with physical therapy it's that 60 minute one-on-one style of things that you're able to do that whereas like if you're going to a traditional or conventional pt practice where they're just trying to jam you in you're with like five other people you don't even see the physical therapist for some time you're passed off to an aide which by the way doesn't have like a, a degree in physical therapy it's like you've got your graduate or not your uh your bachelor's degree right and that's it right mm-hmm. so it's like yeah sure they're passionate about it but like do they know how to cue like probably not you know mm-hmm. so and you know not to bash anybody i'm sure that there are people out there that are very good at it right but you know it's very difficult to cue people when you have five other people that you're looking at, yeah. right? Because there's a difference between cueing somebody correctly and cueing somebody incorrectly. Because if you cue somebody incorrectly, you just drive different compensation patterns than what you're trying to get. And I think that that's that's also really important for you know the PT side of things because you know you're trying to get them to use the right muscles, and if you're just working around that and strengthening already strong patterns that are not serving somebody, what do you really do? You know, okay. you're not doing too much. I've gotten this question a few times where, you know, people are like, oh, I'm doing a squat. And somebody told me to drive my knees out. And it's like, I never really felt what it should feel like. And, you know, you get them to actually engage their feet. And it's like, oh, my gosh, this feels so much different than just what I was told, drive my knees out. Right. It's like, right. okay, all right. Well, that's why you just essentially did that for so long. You thought that that was what you needed to do. Yeah. Right. And then at that point, you went down this path and you should have been doing this way, right? Or, or use a band. What's that? Or use a band as you're right. your feet up. Yeah. So that's like step two. Like, muscular re-education in, in, the, in the tactile sense, right? Yep. It's counterforce, right? It's drawing you in so you have to resist against it. 
um, it works really well, right? But also too, is like if people are focusing here when they need to focus somewhere else, like where the pro where is the problem? That's the, always the question. Where is the problem? Right. And, so, and people usually don't know where their problem is. I feel like they exactly. think it's somewhere else, and then you look and you're like, no, it's really here. Yeah. 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 That's literally it. I mean, so the guy, because we we talk a lot, <laughs> this guy, and I, and he's like, I'm so glad I came to you because like I would have never known that my problem was in my hips, right? Because he had knee issues and he had low back issues. Mm. But where does that drive from sometimes? Mostly hips. It could also be from the feet, but in his case, it's a lot of hip stuff, right? And the the, the problem is it's like a lot of times we are, we're going to zone in on where the pain is. Mm. But there's this great quote in my industry. Uh, who said it? I think Vladimir Yanda. Old dead guy. Doesn't matter, right? <laughs> and he said... Um, People who treat the side of pain are often lost and, and so unfortunately are their patients, mm -hmm. right? Because like if you're just treating side of pain, side of pain, side of pain, but it's coming from somewhere else, you're going to miss the mark. And you're going to be treating them over and over and over again, and they're not going to get better. And then they're going to drop off and they're going to go somewhere else. And hopefully that other person finds them, but like, right. you know, you missed an opportunity on that life cycle. Always seeking. Correct. And I mean, that's where people find me. It's like, I've seen like six other people. I've had this for five years. And I'm like, okay, well, it's really literally this. Like you can see from the muscle test, they are. And they're like, oh, that makes so much sense. And I'm like, good. That means we have a place to start, right? Whoa. I think a lot in within our industry, it's like people that just have hammers and oh. looking for nails. And it's like, I'm always looking for this one thing, but it, you know, when we first met, the thing that really struck me is like, no, let's get to the root. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's it right there. Let's get to the root challenge of this. And that's a truth that I just find a lot of people just don't want to hear. You mean that people don't want to understand what the root of the issue is? It's, well, once there is awareness wrapped around that, it's like, oh crap, this is going to be oh we're in for it you know like this is gonna be a journey yes. you know like kind of thing um and that's um and and you know we kind of went back to imagining expectations as practitioners we have to uh you know the deal and behavior change every day we have to help them with that behavior um and that expectation to help them manage it because if they can't manage through the process they're just going to be like oh well you know i can't do this Mm -hmm. or I'm done, or it's, it's getting longer, or it's not getting fixed or anything like that. And I think part of getting people to progression is really that expect, those expect, managing their own expectations and how the process looks to them. Are you wanting to take your fitness journey to the next level? Look no further than Y2B Fit, Philadelphia's premier boutique fitness studio. With our personalized training programs, you can achieve your fitness goals, whether you're recovering from an injury, preparing for an event, or simply aiming to move your body better. Our experienced trainers will create a program tailored to your needs and lifestyle. But that's not all. Our group fitness classes offer an array of high energy options from bar and TRX classes to soothing yoga flows. With multiple instructors and weekly class times, you're sure to find your new favorite way to work out. Don't wait any longer to transform your health and well-being. Head over to Y2B Fit's website at www.y2bfit.com to learn more and become a member today. The way that I love to describe it, and I always talk about this, is it's, it's uh, um, very easy and it's the, the rabbit and the hare, Aesop's fable. And the rabbit, you know, in the race is going to race the turtle. Um, they're going to start out the gate. The rabbit's going to run real fast. It's going to fall asleep. I think that's how most people view the process of things. Yeah. And here comes the turtle, slow and steady wins the race, keeps going one foot in front of the other, and then eventually gets there and surpasses. I think when we realize we have to be movement and doing movement for the rest of our lives in some way, shape, or form, we're going to have these different things and challenges thrown at us in different shapes and forms. And then we're just going to have to be like a turtle and slow and steady wins the race. That is, uh, in my mind, in our mind, the process-oriented mindset rather than this result-oriented, right? <laughs> Um, magic pill mentality versus like goal oriented, long time horizon kind of people. Yeah. Right. And 
you know, the one question we always ask is like, okay, great. We get you to where we want to go. What, what's next? Do you find that people struggle with that second question of like, where do you want to go from here after you accomplish that goal? Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. Always. They're, they're my I never thought about that. <laughs> like, it's, it's really crazy because it's like, once you actually get there, it's, it, I feel like people sometimes never thought that that was actually possible. Mm-hmm. And, and I have boatloads of clients where I'm like, all right, sweet. You graduated. What do you want to do from here? You know, like what's the next gap analysis, essentially? Like, where do you want to go? And I think maybe, I guess, you know, taking that into consideration, maybe people need to spend a little time about with with their new selves. And then they're like, oh, sweet. I can do all these things that I never thought were possible. Now I'm going to find new habits and new, like, new horizons that I can like strive for. One thing that I know I try to do and Crystal tries to do is um, already have that next thing queued up mm-hmm. and queuing it up in the queuing when we're and be like, hey, you know, you're going to be able to do this, right? Um, get that good motivation. And then this is something you're going to be able to do next mm-hmm. or that we're going to aim for next. So they can start to see the steps that it's going to be at the end of the day, if they have that next thing already kind of queued up, it makes things a lot easier because they start to see the road ahead. That's brilliant. I, I think that's great because you're essentially showing them where they could be next. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I actually love that. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to steal that. <laughs> that's great. Too, like knowing that it's step forward, step back. Cause I think a lot of people in that step back get really frustrated and want to give up. Like when they fall back three steps or when they pick their goal and then they kind of fall off and now like they're back three months later and they have a similar issue because they weren't continuing with their Yeah, I'd love to talk about that actually. Um, I get that a lot, you know, and I mean, I would love to hear how you guys combat that. The way I do is I always tell people change is not a linear process. Mm -hmm. And if you look at a graph of linear process, it's like, you're going to be more like this, right? (laughs) <laughs> and what I tell people is like, it always should be trending up. If it's not, then I am not doing my job. And then we'll have a conversation about how I can essentially change my hypothesis, change my treatment plan. That's going to essentially keep you trending in the right direction. Mm-hmm. But I always say, your worst day today should be way better than your worst day three months ago or two weeks ago or wherever we started, yeah. right? We, you know, we, we, we tip our toes into the growth mindset, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And having people understand, ooh, we failed today. Awesome. It's something we, ooh, we found a new weakness. Oh, we get to work on that, right? So these are opportunities that we can take to learn from. Um, That is one of the most challenging, like growth mindset's easy to understand. It's like failure, uh, turning failure to feedback, you know, turning stumbling blocks into stepping stones. But when we can teach people a practice so they get to work on that growth mindset themselves. And again, it's us cueing them to say, Ooh, we get to work on this today. Like you failed at this. What'd you learn? And they're like, Ooh, <laughs> they just like rear back. And it's like, you mean like you're not mad or you, you know, you didn't hit this lift or you didn't, I'm like, no, I'm like, Ooh, what'd you just learn there? Thanks right. For the yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's why we don't have mirrors. Right. <laughs> I'm the mirror. They get to hear from us so much. So what? Yeah. I like to I like to frame things to clients as experiments rather than like Ooh. like goals. Well, they have long term goals, but like short term, like it's not a goal this week to do this. It's an experiment. So it kind of takes the pressure out of it because I'm like, how did that experiment go? Did it work for you or did it not work for you? And then it gives them more power in it. Yeah, yeah. it's a good reframe. Right? Like, yeah. I'm just trying something new, right? Right. Well, I feel like so many clients come back and they feel bad because they took those two steps back. It's like this, like, I don't want to come to you because I don't want to tell you that I didn't accomplish what I said I would. Mm-hmm. Or like you said earlier, like, I didn't listen to what you said and I didn't follow through and they feel really bad. So I always try to frame it as this is your experiment. It might work. It might not. And that's yeah. not really what matters to me. It matters that we experiment and we see what works and what doesn't. Mm. I love that. I have two stories based on both points. Okay. Um, my first story is based on the growth mindset. And when I was with the US squash team in Egypt last December, um, I just was on the bus with the best, ath- best squash athletes in the world, right? Like all from the 
obviously U.S. team, but, you know, was meeting other people. But I was talking to Olivia Klein, and she's one of our one of our women's players, and you know, top twenty in the world, right? Like she's all of these players are top twenty in the world. It's amazing to like be with them, like with that energy, with that mindset, with that growth, like all of that. And so we're just hanging out on the bus, and I was just like, like, you know, I have Olivia, I have a question for you. It's like, how do you approach loss, right? How do you approach failure? And she was like, I used to be really hard on myself, right? But then I realized that every single failure, every single loss is an opportunity. Now, it's really interesting, and I just uh, an aside, because probably not a lot of people know, you know what squash is. It's a racket sport. It's played in a box, essentially, and it's individual is the point. It's, uh, it's very heady, meaning like you're essentially going to be competing against yourself, and your mind, mental you know, mindset, I guess, is going to be either a battle or it's going to work with you, right? You know, so my job is very much a, kind of a therapist sometimes too. You know, I'm trying to like get people, you know, okay, where you're at like right now, like, okay, your body feels like this. Like, okay, well, let's, you know, try to get you feeling as good as possible so that that's not an obstacle for your game. And <clears throat> because of that, so it's going to be really, really challenging for people when they're losing or when they're in that zone and they're not performing to their best. It's like, how do you essentially deal with that, you know, because that can either be crippling or that can be an opportunity. And so I loved her answer because she's just reading James Clear's Atomic Habits at that point. Mm -hmm. I think he was talking about, you know, fixed versus growth mindset. And I know mm -hmm. that it's uh, Carol Dweck's book, Mindset, yep. right? Mm -hmm. And so, uh, yeah, so I, I was like, oh, this is amazing, right? Like, and that's how I think everybody should be approaching like failures, you know, missed opportunities, things like that. It's like, cool. What did I learn from this, right? And then the other thing too about what you were saying, right, is like an experiment. It's like, that's something that I live every single day. Well, not every single day, but I do these things that are like people would consider crazy. Like mm -hmm. in 2021, I ran my first marathon, but I did it from like a, I hadn't run 5K up to that point, right? Honestly, <laughs> right? So people were like, oh, that's dumb. And I'm like, yeah, it probably was, right? And I had like two months to train for it, right? So just started running and you know, learned a lot in the process. Saw what broke. Yeah, exactly, right? So the way I like to approach that is like, wow, I just pushed my body to its limit. What, what part of it essentially broke down? Where was the growth opportunity there? What did I need to fix in order to understand where my capacity issues lie, right? Yes. Uh, we don't condone that, by the way. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> Disclaimer. <laughs> You know, but you know, you learn so much more, like, you know, even in the weightlifting world, like a lot of, you know, power strength athletes will be like, okay, well, we, we want to see your one rep max, like we're going to scale you up until we see where the system breaks down. That's where we know we have to program the accessories. Cause until then you don't really know what you're doing. Like, right. you know, I, I like to try and bring that out through muscle testing, things like that. But, you know, I am only going to know the best based on what feedback I'm getting from you, your training. Right. Yeah. Okay. Did that work? Did that feel better? Sweet. That's awesome. Let's go down that road. That's helping my hypothesis. It's helping my scientific method of being like, okay, sweet. This is what we're going to keep working on to get you where you want to go. Yeah. So yeah, um, that process taught me a lot. I, uh, did finish. Wow. I cried. That's impressive. <laughs> I knew that I wasn't going to break myself from doing it. Right. So this is the, where like a lot of people, it's like, I wouldn't recommend this unless you are very aware of your body. Right. Um, but I was just like, sweet, this is a great learning opportunity. So million dollar question. Have I one? No. <laughs> okay. Well, that, that's actually the two million that's the two million dollar question. Okay. All right. But actually let's turn let's turn that one around, right? Okay. So knowing what you learned through number one, how would you change number two? Oh. What'd you learn through number one? Oh my gosh, so many things. One, you don't leave training for something that you've never really even come close to doing till two months beforehand. That's like, if, if I set my sights on another marathon, I'm going to be training with volume for a year prior to it, or at least six months, you know, something where I can get my volume up to like a certain cadence before I start Why? to just... Well, because, um, and actually this is probably something really useful for like your listeners, but tendons in the body respond to progressive load right mm. and you can think of them as uh rubber bands or something like that they're going to get stronger but they're they're living tissue right like they're going to get stronger the more you consistently like load them and it's almost like you don't want them to know it right <laughs> because 
the number one issue, and I can share the research article with, with your listeners, but the number one reason for tendinopathy in the body, then they were studying this with uh, Achilles tendon issues, which is most commonly the, the, the problem for people, but you tendons exist everywhere, right? And I see that a lot. A lot. Um, they had this Delphi study, which is a panel of experts that study this all the time, and you know they rated their top reasons for why somebody develops an Achilles tendinopathy. What they found was probably not what you think, right? It wasn't hyperpronation. It wasn't biomechanic issues. It wasn't like, you know, I uh, had a previous injury. What was it was they took a vacation and then came back to the same volume of training that they did before. Mm -hmm. Because what happened is they, they were at a certain level of training, dropped down to basically zero for a week, and then came back and tried to load it at the exact same place that it was. In that time, the tendon is deloading, mm -hmm. right? It's mm -hmm. not having the same level of input. So now it's here, but you're training it here. Boom. That's the risk of injury right there, mm. right? And so it's like, I'm sure you've experienced this with many people in mm -hmm. fitness. Is like you go on vacation, you go and change your training input, you do something completely different. But... Our athlete's dilemma is like, well, we want to feel like we did when we were 26, so let me hop under that 600-pound squat like I did when I was in football training, right? Right. How that worked for you. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And there's so much in the mindset for people, too, to want to come back from that week and be where they were, right? Trying to That's, get them, yeah, trying to, get them to be here is like, no, I'm, I'm here. Right. And Don't like, tell me where to be. Right. It's, right? Almost like, it's almost like... You finally get to that goal, and then there's never any backwards. Right. You yes. Know, learning or anything like that. No. There's no. There's. It's like a. It's like ah, oh, sweet. I just pushed it right here. Yeah. It's like one of those. Uh, you ever play with one of those like, how high you can jump thing with all the little, you know, like the little tabs. Oh yeah. 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 It's like smack them all. It's like yeah. sweet. That's where I am. Yeah. You know, like I'm yeah. not gonna get lower than that. That's what I accomplished in my yeah. life, right? Um, <laughs> so what is, so what is the ideal day off? movement practice look like for you this is a good one because it should be probably better than it is and you know this is where i'm beating myself up being a hypocrite ideal or like you know what it is currently ideal okay <laughs> yeah do or maybe compared to what it is currently because people look to us as like oh you you already do it how would right. you know what it's like yeah. yeah i feel like there's a lot of that yeah. in in the dynamic yeah. And it's how we end up relating to people who yeah. are struggling with the habit stuff anyway, right? I'm like, dude, like, I get sure. it, right? I've been there. I'm there a lot yeah. of times, right? Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, like, ideal day off would be mobility routine, working on the weaknesses, right? I think that taking some of the rehab approaches would be my ideal day off. I'm not currently, I don't have an injury right now. Right. I don't have anything that impacts me from doing things. And I think that honestly, that's probably the hardest place for people. Right. Because they're they're not, you know, in pain. They're not dealing with something. So it's like, sweet. I don't have to do my rehab. I hear that all the time. Oh, I was yeah, feeling yeah. good. So I stopped doing my stuff. Oh, yeah. Okay. Right. Well, how'd that go? So that would be maybe the biggest thing to uh, kind of ingrain in clients is like we we can do things preventatively. Yeah. Uh huh. You know, we can work on these little things when we have time and that, you know, they're not important only when we have pain. Yeah, and I think it's ever evolving. Ideally, it would look like progressions of hip 9090s with almost like short lever or long lever Copenhagen's along with some outer hip work. So maybe like first part portion of like Turkish get-ups into like the knee of the half kneeling position, um, hip 90-90 pull-throughs, like coming up into that upright position with one leg bent. Mm -hmm. um, like that would probably be my ideal because it's not loading much, right? It's mm -hmm. essentially just trying to integrate some of the fascia, right? It's trying to change and adapt the actual joint positioning and getting accustomed to different positions, mm -hmm. right? I know that we've talked about this before, yeah. but like yeah, if you struggle with a deep squat position, we'll spend time in the deep squat position, right? You're going to get there eventually. Your body's going to have to acclimate to it, right? Yes. So you have to, I mean, like the shortcut is like doing things in that deep, or getting down into it in ways that is essentially going to adapt the tissue quicker. But like you can't beat just spending time there, right? So that's 
probably one of the best ways that I can do that, or I do do that. Like I'll, I was just doing it outside when I was waiting for you guys. I was just like, you know, sitting in a deep squat, doing an Instagram post, right? Yeah. <laughs> Trying to figure it out. I'm like, I don't even know what I'm doing, right? So. But you're in that deep squat. <laughs> Well, that's right. And so it's like, that's the stuff where it's like little, I think, uh, Chris Lee, I mean, uh, yeah, Craig Levinson uses this all the time. He, he calls it movement snacks, right? Mm. It's like little tiny bite-sized pieces of things that you can do, um, that may not look like I'm taking my entire day to do this, right? It's just like little tiny things that are good habits that you sprinkle throughout the day, right? Like that's the kind of stuff that I like, but I'm super freaking busy. I opened a business a year ago and it's like, I don't have time to even work out enough during the week. So like, I don't even have a recovery thing because like, (laughs) it's just the downtime that I can't be lifting. Right. So, um, yeah, I think that's my ideal is mostly like the hip mobility. It's mostly the mobility, but then also it's like ability too, right. Mm -hmm. It's, can I do that? Like not yet pull through and actually like get through that position. And because like, I like to have standards for movement. This is how I've really tried to live my life is, can I do a deep squat? Can I um, essentially do what I want, when I want, whenever I want to? Those are the two like laws that I have for my body, um, you know, mm. for the rest of my life. Because I had to, and this gets into like my why of everything. I had to watch my grandmother as I was going through school, um, fall number one reason for people who died past 65 um break her hip spent the rest two years of her life with alzheimer's in bed and died right two years did not get out of bed right and that is literally the reason why people died imagine imagine how crazy you go like i can't i mean she had alzheimer's so it's like yeah but you know like that's that's a struggle that's like a hell that i never want to go through right Absolutely. You know, and that's and that's the problem. It's like we don't have standards for for ourselves, so we get to a certain age, and then we have that ability taken from us, and then we don't have the ability to get back to it because after a certain age, you're not building skeletal muscle mass, mm-hmm. right? You're just avoiding the decline of skeletal muscle mass. Right. So how, I'm really um, I'm really bullish on like getting as much as I can right now. That's why I'm on a strength and hypertrophy cycle right now. I'm just like, okay, well, I want to get my squat really like strong so I can have as much muscle as I can. And then from there, um, I'll start working on different things. Right? I will get back into running, but right now it doesn't really work with the limited time I have. Plus like what I'm trying to gain from like a power strength standpoint. Right. Hmm. So yeah, it's not trying to get it all in. <laughs> yeah. Fit it all. It's yeah. tough. Really hard. Right? That's why I, I understand what like, clients go through. It's like, yeah, no wonder you can't get in. Like, <laughs> you work until 7 p.m. Monday through Friday. And I get it. Um, well, how about you guys? You guys talk about it all the time. What, what are our routines? Yeah. Jeez. Well, my ideal is obviously much different than my reality. I mean, I'd like to do everything all the time. <laughs> but I try to really just move my body every day. And I liked how you said you have kind of this standard of things that you like to be able to do. I kind of have something similar there. You know, I do, I do a fair amount of sitting. Mm -hmm. A lot of people do. Mm -hmm. Um, And I have these standards of like mobility and stretch movements that I do at least three or four times a week. And I notice that if I skip them, I'm so much tighter. That's the key. Yeah, I, I I try not to ever skip them just for that reason. It's so important to me yeah. to maintain that mobility and, like you said, flexibility in the older age because I don't want to have those issues. Like I want to be able to move my body and pick things up, squat, not stiff, able to like walk or do basic things. That really scares me. Yeah. That's why I like that idea of a standard because what we were talking about before with people who have end up getting to that point and then always wanting to be there, it's like, well, it's a standard. So it's like you get there, that's great. Now mm-hmm. it's like, how can you maintain that? Yeah. Like one of my standards is, you know, can I go on a hike up a mountain and feel mm-hmm. like I can run up it? Right. Mm-hmm. Like that's I mean it's a pretty high standard. I was say, that like, is a high standard yeah. running up a mountain. <laughs> but like back when I was in medical school, like that's what I would do. I'd go like, right. you know, hike out Adirondacks and literally had this friend who was like we were like, Oh, you wanna come hike with us? <laughs> running up this mountain and he was like, you get done, he's like, That was not a hike. 
And I was like, <laughs> oh shit, yeah, I probably shouldn't have told you more, but <laughs> so we do it. <laughs> yeah, hey. Sure, that's sellers, buyers, buyers. <laughs> yeah, so, so how about you, Greg? Um, hmm. I have a different view, right? Like a different standard. I kind of want to play every day. Mm. And it comes from my background of being an athlete. And I have um, kind of like really almost like ADD of the movement variety. Yeah. So it's a lot of different things so that I don't get stuck in patterns. Uh, that's a good point. That's always challenging. Um, because what I see in a lot of clients and a lot of athletes even is they do this thing for 10 years and it's, you have the, the, the litany of common issues that, that subsequently come along with that. Yeah. Right. And a great topic. even with working out, um, you know, you have people that just literally lift and they can't put their shirt on because they're can't lift my arm over my shoulders and i call it the people who can't wipe their own butt <laughs> that's also the standard right? yeah right i want to wipe my ass <laughs> so so i range from you know jujitsu one to two times a week um which is super physically uh engaging the mental is there because it's this problem solving puzzle of it and then i'll go to bar so it's joint stabilization, uh, muscle endurance to TRX and, you know, sprinkle in a little bit of Peloton trail running and kettlebelling, you know, before it was a little bit of rock climbing mm -hmm. or a lot of rock climbing. Yeah. So it's, it's, you know, a sport here, there, whatever mixed with all this other stuff. And aesthetically, you know, I know if I just stay consistent, I can have you know, keep, keep that kind of standard. So if I'm, I'm, I'm busy, you know, five, six days a week doing these different things and, and also sprinkle in walks too. So I'm selfish that I make sure that I take the time and, you know, have a big menu of things that I can choose from. Um, I think that's kind of key. I think that is really great because you're dabbling in lots of different things, you're able to almost understand where your weaknesses lie just because you're trying a bunch of different stuff, yeah. right? And yeah, maybe the progress with each thing looks slower, but you're also- I'm a turtle. Yeah. <laughs> there it is, baby. <laughs> I'm a turtle, man. Just someone said he wins the process, you know? Yeah. I go in jujitsu and just, it just petually get my ass whooped. But that's what it, that's just, it is what it is. The injuries to prove it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Old man injuries. Thumb and just broke my toe the other day. So. Wait, really? Yeah. Looks pretty good. You know? No, it's 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 only because I'm wearing the wide shoes, the ultras. So, Did yeah. The, body it's, what? Did you body splint it? What do you mean body splint it? I just left it. No, uh, just leaves it hanging out there. Yeah, yeah. it's still black and blue. And At least tapes. Yeah. <laughs> It's Sports not even medicine 101. It's you tape the two toes together so that you're splinting it so then it won't like it's not my toes not even big enough to wrap tape around. I have to like it has to be like this thin. I have these little toes, right? Um it, it, take shoes off at the camera. Right? Yeah, right. <laughs> Treatment, all right, pull it out. It's you know, it, it's probably it's probably dislocated. So all right. Anyways. So I, you know, I dealt with the pain. Like I, you know, I dialed back on things. I stopped running. I stopped doing this. Um, I started wearing more sandals and, you know, um, you know, the wide shoes. And I was like, and I let it heal for a couple of weeks. And I was like, okay. And I started to get back to things. So, um, you know, I did take my time and I was like wrapping it, you know, for the first day or two. And I was just like, all right, this, I was like, let's just see how it, you know, kind of happens naturally. And, and honestly, if it gets worse and painful, um, you know, I'm going to see someone like you, right? <laughs> I know a guy. Yeah, I know a guy. Um, but I understand and have a good understanding of what that process looks like. And I was willing to give myself the grace and self-compassion to step back and be like, dude, dial it back, turn the volume down, mm -hmm. right? You know, maybe do this and this and maybe not that. So. Speaking of What's the? Uh... It's a really slow backup. <laughs> it's an Amazon job. Yo, back it up. That's he's okay. Okay, he's a turtle. He's a turtle, right? I love the idea of like breaking up common movement patterns. Like I always try with clients, like just minimally. Like when they execute a movement, they're always like, 
stepping the same leg back first. I'm like, try it with the other leg back first. Or like interlacing their hands behind their back. Try it with the opposite fingers on top. Just like, and it creates some mess with symmetry yeah. instead of just doing one leg the entire time. That's an amazing point. I talk about this all the freaking time. People ask me, why did this happen? Mm-hmm. Why am I, why have I been dealing with this for so long, right? And I think that one of the biggest issues is that we don't have good movement education from a very young age. Right. Babies have such incredible movement. It's like literally the perfect movement. Um, watch a baby deep squat and you're like, wow, how come I can't maintain that, right? And it's the slow creep of just doing things the same way, doing repetitive movement tasks, maybe not having any business doing that. But like, this is a great question for you guys. Because I ask this question all the time. It's like, at what point, like, did you have any formal movement coaching? And if so, when was it? Does that make sense? Mm. Okay. Yeah. Like, think about it. I'll, I'll share my experience and then you can riff off with that. But I didn't learn how to essentially weightlift until high school. When I was in preteens, I did P90X. Okay. Tony Horton, I still hear you sometimes in my head, right? (laughs) And it's it's interesting because I had the good fortune of having a swim coach who was in physical therapy school, and he was able to essentially do his best, his best, which wasn't perfect, right? Of cueing us and coaching us in the in the weight room, Hmm. right? And he had, he gave us great ideas, you know, great like things. But you know, at the end of the day, like my movement age was essentially one, two, maybe even zero. If you would consider like, you know, lifting weights, like hardcore with a barbell, mm-hmm. zero, definitely. And at what point do people find that process? Like, you know, do you have just your buddy saying like, yo, let's squat, let's load it up, see what you can do, right? Like, how are you gonna do it, right? Are you gonna do one of those like, right? Like, yeah, you know, that was me at 16, by the way, right? Like, I still didn't know what I was doing, right? Yeah. So, you know, and I think it's like, okay, we're loading patterns that maybe we have no business loading, um, learning how to squat hinge incorrectly, and then we're essentially trying to do that with strength, right? Mm-hmm. But we're loading a pattern that is feeding into patterns that we have no business doing, right? And so now we're just consistently doing it that way because, again, we hit that benchmark for ourselves and our goals, and now we want to maintain that, right? Mm-hmm. Humbling thing to do is understanding that we're not going to get to the top of the proverbial mountain, and we have to understand that and go back down to find a better way up. I did do that with my squat over the last year. It's very humbling, but it you know changed my life. It was amazing. So coaching like movement coaching not just movement because like i think like team sports i them as a kid but i wouldn't say that i had very good coaching and movement in yeah. team sports at all i was really just like run fast <laughs> kick the ball yeah um but i think for me it was probably when i started doing yoga how, how old were you when you started doing yoga i started doing yoga when i was 18. Cool. um so but I mean, at first it was more, I wouldn't say the coaching was great, but it was just giving me more of that mind-body awareness. I think it was when I did yoga teacher training that I actually like dug a little deeper, right? At that point I was 24. I found climbing and then it was like, okay, well, here's my strength training, right? Like I don't need to be the jacked person. And I went from a string bean to a string bean with shoulders. So my, <laughs> my, my string bean was like this. And then like, yeah, everything just kind of grew up from that these all things kind of played in together. And I always try to just stay active in something. I don't care if it was kickball, drinking beer, or it was playing lacrosse, or it was rock climbing, or it was hiking, or whatever it was. I always just tried to stay moving, stay active, because I knew that, I mean, we, this is a whole nother discussion, like that mental, what it does for your mental was incredible. And I'm like, I need more of that. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's I need that dopamine um, from these things that I do. And I'm like, I have to just keep playing biggest challenging thing and I see a lot of in athletes too just as a side note is that when athletes come in they're in this team thing it's organized it's this it's that when they get out of that and they have to self-motivate it's like whoa like it's, it's way different I just had this um, you know former professional basketball player come in she you know toured around in Europe for years and years and everything like that she's like oh I'm starting to kind of get into things I said so I said are you having a hard time figuring it figuring this thing out and she looks at me and she's like 
yeah, how did you know? <laughs> and I said, yeah, I said, you have to start finding, you know, kind of like finding your fit, finding your why and all this stuff. And it's very hard. It's challenging with not having a team behind you. And it's challenging not developing, having the structure behind it. And I think that's in general, coming back to this question that you were talking about, that's the thing that people crave. They don't know, they need this structure, they need this kind of guidance, and it sometimes doesn't happen at the right places. And I know for a lot of people with fitness in general, they have really challenging experiences with fitness, and it's very um, unwelcoming. Yeah. So, you know, one of our biggest goals in here is to make people feel really welcomed and like, you know, understood and accepted and like, hey, you're here now, cool, that's awesome we're going to get you to like here, right? And then the next thing is going to be here. So we're going to keep traveling up to that and we're going to keep getting you to this point. And it just, it, it, it absolutely takes time. Um, but going back to your point, like just really accepting people for where they are when they first come in. It makes me have to ask this question that I think is a little bit, might sound like a jump, but do you feel like the standard of, you know, beauty and things like that play a role with what you're doing? I'll frame this with, you know, my experience because, yeah. like, my partner, Shelby Joy, um, used to get made fun of for having, like, quote-unquote, thunder thighs as, as a woman. Like, that's, like, terrible, right? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, you've got, like, <laughs> lifters legs. So you yeah. probably lift more than I can right yeah. now, right? And so it's like, but she never did. She was always a sprinter, you know, like, you yeah. know, track and field and all that stuff. And, and I'm like, wow, you are literally built for power and speed. And it's like... I don't see thunder thighs. I see potential, right? <laughs> and that, was that your was that your dating line? <laughs> no, but like it came out, and I'm like, you know, you like this is just who you are. So I'm like a physical. You know, we can edit that out. It's okay. No, Shelby. Yeah. And so it's been fun because I've been like going to the gym with her and just showing her how to lift, right? And and she's good at it. And I'm like. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, that's empowering, but it's like, up till that point, she always thought she was like fat or something like that. Right. And it's like, damn, like that can be really like, it can be a huge obstacle, I think, to people getting fit or getting motivated to actually feel comfortable in a gym because they don't feel like an athlete or something. Absolutely. They think that in order to walk in the door, they have to already look a certain way. Like fit people, people who work out look like this. I don't look like that, so Therefore. this isn't a place for me. Yeah, so there is that, but that's what's sold. It's it's a very targeted, this is what you can, you know, you should aspire to that aspirational, this is what you should aspire to. Some people, a lot of my clients, and especially my older clients, they're just trying to be able to get off the ground to not be able to fall and have some balance so they, they can live the rest of their life. Or maybe like be able to garden for five hours in a day and not be able to That's be like, I can, what? That's a lot of gardening, five yeah, well, hours. You know. No, I don't. One of our clients just is like, hey, I came in, I just want to say, uh, she's like, I was gardening my for five hours. I was like, whoa, 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 wait a minute here. Five hours. Yeah. I was like, That's unbelievable. I was like 90 something degree heat, right? It's impressive. Humidity. And she's like, yeah, I was sweating, but I was able to do it. And I was like, were you squatting the whole time? She's like, yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, how'd that feel? She's like, like amazing. Yeah, I know. Um, oh, it's, like, it's like those things that you can celebrate, right? Because like, holy crap, your benchmark is something that you may not even, even realize. Like that person may not even come in and said, I want to be able to garden for five hours, mm -hmm. right? But you just recognize something that they did from a physical standpoint that they like to do in their life. And you're like, let me celebrate that. That's amazing. Plus all that stuff that we were teaching you, that came in. Yep. Yes, that's it. That's it in practice. And you not even kind of realizing or being aware of that. So you know, as practitioners, we're constantly cueing not only, you know, the the movements that we want to see, but also the behaviors. I'm going to say. Yeah, it's huge. Yep. <laughs> I mean, and that's the thing, like, you know, to think about what you guys do, what I do, very similar. It's like, I don't want to just put a Band-Aid on a problem. You know, I'm not putting a Band-Aid on a bullet wound. Trying to do is create lasting change, some kind of uh, something that's life changing, right? Rather than just you're coming to me, I'm going to, you know, fix this and yeah. 
take you out of you know pain or something. Yeah. I'm here to change your life, right? Yeah. And it gets you going on something that like maybe you didn't even think was possible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow, amazing conversation. Yeah. First of all, we just want to thank you so much for coming by. Um, you know, we have a little gift for you, and uh, to be continued. I so appreciate this. Thank you so much. And yeah, I think that we have a lot of things that we can keep riffing off of. So keep giving value cool. to people for free. <laughs> Thanks for coming. Yeah, thank you so much. That was amazing. Nice job. <laughs> <laughs>